Hello and welcome back to the podcast version of Scripps 5 Must Know Things, this time for the business week ended 24th March 2023. This is Ian Haydock. This time, ripples from SVB's failure, Karuna's schizophrenia win, Big Pharma remains open to partnering, ChatGPT comes to medical congresses, and China's COVID vaccine lessons. The failure of Silicon Valley Bank was a shock to the biotechnology and high-tech companies that had come to rely on the bank over the past few decades. But while SVB's failure was unfortunate, it should not have lasting effects on the biopharma industry, investors and investment bankers told Scrip, since other banks are likely to step up to fill the void. Mandy Daxon writes that the bigger threat is the uncertainty that lies in macroeconomic factors such as inflation and whether or not additional bank failures are on the horizon. San Diego-based Silvergate Bank announced just two days before SVB shut down on 10th March that it intended to wind down and liquidate its assets, and Signature Bank in New York shut down on 12th March. However, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corp, backed by the Federal Reserve Board, guaranteed all deposits at SVB and Signature. And since then, First Republic Bank said on 16th March that it will shore up its cash balance with $30 billion in deposits from 11 major US banks. In addition, long-troubled international banking giant Credit Suisse announced that it will merge into UBS on 19th March, signalling that both the private and public sectors are stepping in to prevent further bank failures. If SBV had collapsed and then depositors, including biotech companies, lost access to their deposits, it would have been an absolute catastrophe. But that didn't happen. Tim Oppler, who's co-founder and managing director of the life science investment bank Torea Partners, LLC, said. Oppler said he does not expect the shift in investors' appetites for risk to greatly impact biotech financing, because the space already was subject to more subdued investment this year, and industry-specific fundamentals have not changed. Also, he noted, while SVB was a well-known lender for private biotech companies, and its loss will be felt because of how well it understood the industry's needs, there's dozens of venture lenders, so I don't see their disappearance as something that fundamentally changes the venture debt market. Oppler said there are several positive things happening in the biopharma industry's favour right now, including a potential slowdown in inflation and interest rate increases due to banking uncertainty. There's nothing like having the cops show up at a roaring party to slow things down a bit, he commented. Karuna Therapeutics has posted positive results from a third clinical trial of CAR-XT in adults with schizophrenia with the announcement that the Phase 3 Emergent 3 trial met its primary endpoint of showing a meaningful reduction in the positive and negative syndrome scale score. The data indicate the drug should see commercial success, with analysts deeming its efficacy comparable to prior antipsychotics, but with a differentiated side effect profile. Larak Diamond writes that Karuna announced the results on 20th March, making Emergent 3 the third trial in the Emergent program and the second in Phase 3 to produce positive results. The company plans to file a US NDA in the middle of 2023 and, assuming approval, launch the drug in the second half of 2024, with a pre-NDA meeting with the FDA scheduled for early in the second quarter. 
Karuna is also running two long-term extension studies, Emergent 4 and Emergent 5. CAR-XT has potential to be a first-in-class drug as an M1-M4 preferring muscarinic receptor agonist. A partner at the right time is going to make a great deal of sense, and that's something that we're evaluating all the time, CEO Bill Murray told a same-day call with analysts. These are clearly tough times for biotechs, be they publicly listed companies seeing their value sink or startups struggling to raise funds. But Big Pharma is very much open for business, and the earlier the engagement, the better. Kevin Grogan writes that that was the message from the Swiss powerhouses Novartis and Roche as the Bio-Europe Spring Meeting kicked off in Basel. James Sabri, who's global head of Roche Pharma Partnering, told attendees that we're in a downward cycle, but it's a cycle. And while it may be deep, it's also a reflection of how far we've come in the last four to five years. He added that while financially times are tough, the science has never been more exciting on both sides of the Atlantic, and the best structure for innovation is a biotech company. Nevertheless, Bio-Europe Spring began with a sombre look at the state of the sector delivered by David Thomas, who's head of industry research at the Biotechnology Innovation Organisation. Citing data from Sightline's Biomed Tracker Unit, he noted that the value of Nasdaq-listed companies had fallen by 73% in the past two years, while venture capital funding was down by around 45% in the last year in Europe and Asia. However, Thomas said that the one bright spot has been biotech-pharma partnerships for preclinical assets, which actually edged up 4% in value to $139 million, with upfront payments also rising. Suzanne Kreutz, who's head of corporate and business development at Novartis, said she expected to see more early-stage deals being inked and encouraged startups to contact the firm regardless of whether their projects fall into Novartis's five priority therapeutic areas or not, as innovative science is always the main driver for any deals. Sabri also urged companies to get in touch early, advising firms that establishing a relationship is more important than inking a deal which may come years down the line. Alliance management is a key function at Roche, Sabri said, arguing that it's very much in the pharma company's interest that its smaller partner blooms. Partnerships rather than large M&A will continue to be the major driver of deal-making this year, according to Kreutz, who said that admittedly there are very few high-quality late-stage assets that offer a clear regulatory and reimbursement pathway to merit a huge spend. As excitement around ChatGPT and other generative AI programs grows, one company, ZoomRx, has launched its own tool to help transform how pharma analyzes data coming out of medical congresses. In recent months, OpenAI's ChatGPT has wowed the world, and Google has now launched its own rival, Bard AI Chatbot. Andrew McConaughey writes that US-based ZoomRx has used ChatGPT to develop its own firma.ai program to understand and analyse biopharma data sources, and has made a free-to-all version available on its website ahead of the American Association for Cancer Research Annual Congress, which takes place 14th to 19th April in Orlando. The Firma GPT AACR application can search all the 8,230 abstracts submitted to the Congress to answer specific text-based questions such as 
list abstracts about KRAS and NSCLC, and summarize key discussions around racial disparities in prostate cancer. The company believes it's the first to launch an AI platform for medical conference coverage and the first to launch a GPT-powered tool to analyze conference abstracts. It also believes the tech can revolutionize Congress monitoring for medical affairs, competitive intelligence and business development teams, just as AI is being increasingly used to accelerate biopharma R&D. Sriram Subramanian, who is ZoomRx's co-founder and co-CEO, said early 2023 felt like a transformative moment in AI's role in the world and in life sciences. Let's say you are Novartis. You want to know what abstracts Pfizer has at a Congress. Right now, that workflow is very bad. Once these abstracts get released, it takes companies three to four days to just navigate and understand what's going on. ZoomRx has tweaked the chat GPT-4 to make it less creative and more conservative, which includes admitting when it does not have an answer. However, the limitations of the AACR version of the software were apparent when Scrip asked a few moderately difficult but key questions, such as, show me studies with overall survival benefits, and what are the late-breaking abstracts, but it returned no answers. ZoomRx plans to create firmer GPT public access applications for many more medical conferences this year, including ASCO, ESMO and ASH. It's also working on an upgraded version of the service which will include information from multiple data sources. Firma.ai will then produce an output, including citation links, which will be a comprehensive summary of a given Congress, an upgrade it aims to roll out by April. Finally, Brian Yang reports that from the early rush to get the first made-in-China COVID-19 vaccine to market, to the country's abrupt policy U-turn on its tough COVID-0 restrictions and mass infections at the end of 2022, three years of the pandemic have shown that Chinese vaccine development is still not up to the looming challenges. Leading up to the first vaccines for the coronavirus, domestic developers went back to familiar and proven routes and technologies, but that approach has not worked well amid continuous mutations of the SARS-CoV-2 virus. That's why some senior executives in the sector, such as Wu Qi, who's CEO of Wuhan-based Bravovax, are now calling for a new development approach. The approved COVID-19 vaccines essentially failed as a result of a rushed action, Wu said in a written response to questions from Scrip. There is no finger-pointing, but lessons should be learned and taken into consideration, he said. The need to review the failures and learn from the most recent lessons is becoming more acute amid the current widespread and severe flu season in China. Wu said the COVID vaccine failures once again should ring the alarm on a need to develop vaccines targeting multiple rather than single viral strains. During the early days of the pandemic, Chinese developers bet on mature inactivated virus technology and the country's state-owned manufacturers, backed by the government, managed to launch the first such vaccines within a matter of months. But as the virus kept mutating and the Omicron variant emerged, the shortcomings of a single-strain development strategy became evident. The need to develop different vaccines targeting new viral strains is costly, time-consuming and should be improved, Wu declared. Wu also suggested another needed improvement is to go beyond shots and target the nasal membrane, which is the entry point for the virus to attack the human immune system. 
Blocking entry would more effectively bolster immune protection. So far, inhaled and nasal spray formulations of COVID-19 vaccines are being developed in China, and CanSino Biologics' inhaled vaccine has also gained approval outside the country, but ensuring absorption remains a technical challenge. The rising general demand for vaccines is also benefiting makers looking to innovate, for example by combining a flu and COVID-19 vaccine in one shot. This is expected to expand the market and attract locals to stay in China rather than travelling abroad to receive their vaccinations. Thanks again for joining us, and the usual reminder that all these stories in full are linked in the article accompanying this podcast and are just a fraction of the articles published by Scripps Global Team last week. Log in to access all of these, or if you're not already a subscriber, take a free trial to see what you're missing. Bye for now.